everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Inkwell Gamers podcast. I am Dana. I'm Dalton. Hope everyone's having a great day today. And we are going to continue our set review of the first chapter. If you did not catch our first episode covering this, go back one to episode two. There we covered amber, but we are essentially going through each individual color, all of the cards of that color, in alphabetical order. And so with this being our second of the review, we are going to be covering Amnethyst today. So before we get started, Dalton, do you want to do a quick recap of how we grade these cards? Yeah, so we have five grading categories, S, A, B, C, and D. S being the best, D being the absolute worst. So S cards are the cards you couldn't imagine cutting from your deck, and they have a very high power level. Just the absolute best card in that color as far as power level concerns. So an example from the last episode would be Rapunzel. A. A is just one of the best cards in the color, really high power level, played in most decks, but there might be a few archetypes that might not want an example of this kind of an A is Maximus Palace Horse. A's can also be kind of the linchpins or the most powerful cards in specific strategies. So Stitch Rockstar is an example of that as well. Then we go to B's. They're very solid role players. Could be a four of in a lot of decks just due to their mana cost, ink ability. They don't necessarily have the highest power level, but they're pretty versatile. An example of this from the last one would be Stitch New Dog. B's can also be pretty strong cards, but maybe not necessarily super common because... They are expensive and they're not inkable, so you just might not see them that often, even though they are really powerful. An example of this would be Hades, King of Olympus. Next are Cs. They will take a very specific deck to make playable, but could have niche applications. Sebastian Court Composer is an example of a C. You could play it in some song decks, but it's really not that great of a card. Or Dinglehopper, which is a cheap card that's inkable, but it'll probably mostly be used in item decks when it is used. And then we have Ds, which are mostly unplayable, just the cards that you probably almost never want in your deck. And an example of this is Healing Glow. Okay, so before we start to get into the cards, what do you think would be some pros and cons of Amnethyst? So Amnethyst is a color that is really excellent at drawing cards and creating card advantage. There is a lot of ways to do this in the colors from friends on the other side and the three cost Maleficent to Mickey Mouse and the Broomsticks and Dr. Facilier. Some of its weaknesses are that it doesn't have a lot or really any removal. So some of your opponent's bigger characters might just run away with a game if you're not preparing for that with your other color. All right, so without further ado, let's get into our first card of Amethyst. And so we have Anna, heir to Arendelle. She is a inkable four drop. She's a two four, she quests for two, and she has the ability Loving Heart. So when you play this character, if you have a character named Elsa in play, choose an opposing character. And that chosen character does not ready at the start of their next turn. 
And so what do you have her as? I gave her a C. Uh, she doesn't have great stats for being a four-cost character. She does quest for two, which is okay, but really the upside comes from her ability. There's a three-drop Elsa in this color, but there's not enough cheap Elsas to make her loving heart ability consistent, I don't think. Well, you do have the four-drop, too. There's two of them. Yeah, but it's just like, how many four drops do you really want to play, in my opinion? I, I would rather just play the four drop Elsa, I think. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I just don't think it's that strong of a card. Okay. I, I was on the fence with her. I gave her a range of a B to C just because I'm terrible at making decisions. So I didn't want to stick with one letter. I don't think she's bad as a four drop, only because she quests for two so she kind of had that going for her I think her stats could be better though so that's why I felt like I was kind of on the fence plus her ability unless you're rocking a deck with Elsa's it seems very circumstantial so I feel like her ability isn't going to be something you can use in every every Amethyst deck so yeah, yeah there are three Elsa's in this color but one has the same mana cost as her and the and another one has an eight ink cost so it just doesn't seem like it's going to come up that often. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so moving on. So you have Archimedes, Highly Educated Owl. He is a inkable one drop, a 2-2, two, two, quests for one, no special abilities though. I personally, I gave him a B. I just feel like he's a nice solid one drop to be able to play your first turn. Yep, he's a B. Uh, not much to be said about it, honestly. All right, so next we are going to get into Dr. Facilier. So... The first of three that we're getting ready to talk about. You have Dr. Facilier, Agent Provocateur, and he is a seven drop. He is uninkable. He's a four five. He quests for three and you can also shift him for five. So if you have another Dr. Facilier, you don't have to pay seven to play him. You could always just pay the five and shift. And he has the ability into the shadows. So whenever one of your other characters is banished in a challenge, you may return that card to your hand. What did you put him as? I gave him an A. He's uninkable, so that's kind of the one downside. He's a little bit expensive, but this is also just a card that once in play, it will kind of just take over the game. You can quest without fear because even if your characters are banished, they just get returned to your hand, and then you can replay them. Uh, if your opponents are questing a lot, you can use your characters to banish their characters, and then you just gain that card advantage because you just get your characters back. It is a really powerful card. It has decent stats, and it quests for a lot. I I like it a lot. Yeah, I I did go a little bit higher than you. I, I did give him an S. I think if I'm looking at Amethyst as a whole, I think he is one of the, sh the strongest. So that's why I put him in that top tier. Mm -hmm. Yes, he's expensive and uninkable, but you can shift him. He does have strong stats and his ability to return the cards to your hand instead of you losing them to your discard pile. Very similar to Hades, Lord of the Underworld. So... Um, except it happens every time that there's a banish rather than just when he comes into play. So I think that makes him even better than Hades, Lord of the Underworld. So that's why I put him up in S. Yeah, he's he's very strong either way. Yeah. So the next card we have, our second Dr. Facilier, is Dr. Facilier Charlatan. It is an inkable two-drop. It is a 0-4 that quests for one. And I think this is our first card with the Challenger ability as Challenger 2. While challenging, this character gets plus 2 uh, strength. So if your opponent has an exerted character and you challenge it with Dr. Facilier, he gets 
to attack on top of whatever he has. It does not work when he is being challenged by a character, so that makes him not great at questing because your opponent will probably just be able to banish him without losing anything they have, mm -hmm. uh, which is the downside. But having kind of a defensive character that can challenge your opponent's two drops and, and live pretty consistently as a 2-4 is pretty good. Yeah. I was on the fence about him as well, so I gave him a BC. Yeah, same. I, I gave him a B. I think it depends on the kind of player you are. So if if you are someone who might not want to be aggro and you're the kind of player that wants to quest and protect yourself, I think he you would you would probably classify him as a C just because he's not good to quest and you would really only benefit from using him if you're challenging. But if you're the kind of player that that likes to be a little bit aggro and you're not afraid to challenge, I could see you putting him as a B. So I feel like it just depends on maybe your own personality and play style. I yeah. Uh, you know, I think that will be the case with a lot of cards. People might just have different feelings with a lot of different cards because it's just how they like to play, you yeah. know. So next we have Dr. Facilier, Remarkable Gentleman. He is an inkable 3-drop. He is a 2-4 that quests for 1 with the ability Dreams Made Real. Whenever you play a song, you may look at the top two cards of your deck, Pull one of those on the top of your deck and the other on the bottom. So this card is kind of going to be best friends with another card that we're going to talk about in this color called Friends on the Other Side. By itself, I gave it a C. It has fine stats. I don't think its ability is super great. It You know, you could play it. I don't think you'll be too disappointed in it, but it doesn't seem like it has a lot of upside to me. Yeah, so I was a little bit more generous. I gave him a B. I think he's solid for a three drop. And if you have a deck that has a lot of good songs like Friends on the Other Side, which if you're playing him and you're playing an Amethyst, I feel like that card is just too good not to have, which we'll it get is. to. So I feel like his ability, yeah, you, you could use that. And, and it's a nice way to potentially swap out for a better draw for your next turn, um, especially if you're looking for something that you really need. You you can eliminate the potential to, to get something that's the opposite and not going to help you whatsoever. So that's why I gave him a B. Yeah, I just don't... My whole thing was I just don't know if there's enough good songs to make use of them that much. But... I can see it. So the next one we have is Elsa, Queen Regent. Elsa is a four-cost inkable character with stats of four and four and a quest for one. No other abilities. It's just kind of a vanilla creature. And when I say vanilla, I mean that it just has no abilities. Yeah. Right? So it has no abilities, just quest for one. It is fine. I gave it a C. I think there are probably other four cost cards in either color you're going to play that are probably better than this. The main reason why you might want to play this is because it it enables Elsa Spirit of Winter to be shifted onto it and that card is probably really good but there's going to be other four cost characters that outclass this I think. Yeah I I'm kind of on the fence. Gave her like a, a BC. I think she's not exciting, but she's also not terrible. 
I think if we're talking about shift to Elsa Spirit of Winter, I mean, you have a cheaper Elsa that we're about to talk about as well. So it almost would probably be better just to shift off of her. But I think other otherwise her stats are, they're not bad. So that's kind of why I gave her like a BC. Which getting into our second Elsa of three is Elsa Snow Queen. So she is an inkable three drop. She's a two three. She quests for one and she has the ability freeze. So if you exert her, she can exert a chosen opposing character. What did you give this one? I gave this one a B. I think this one's pretty good. It is essentially going to be one of the ways that Amethyst can remove characters from the other side of the board because you can use this to exert one of your opposing characters and then you can challenge it, take it out. It's pretty versatile in that regard and there's a decent amount of rush characters or reasons that you want to be challenging in these colors. So I think this card is cheap enough, its stats are okay, doesn't quest for a lot, you're probably not gonna be using it to quest because of its ability anyway. I think that being able to control your opponent's board with this card is gonna be pretty good. Yeah, I give her a B as well, just from that ability. Uh, You mentioned Rush, which we will get into a character in this color with Rush. And I think that combination could be really good because you're gonna find that your opponent's probably not going to want to make certain characters of theirs vulnerable to being challenged, but here you're almost giving them no choice. So if you use her to exert theirs, bring in your Rush character that turn, You basically can take care of a character your opponent otherwise would not have maybe made vulnerable quite yet or maybe on their turn. So I think it's pretty nice. Um, I think that ability is going to be pretty underrated, but I think people will start to see how good it is. Um, The next one we have is Elsa, Spirit of Winter. I gave this card an A, could be an S. I can see an argument for either one. It is an A cost, uninkable, which is probably why I gave it an A, honestly. It's a four six and a quest for three. It shifts for six, so you can spend six to put on top one of your other Elsas. And it has the ability deep freeze when you play this character, exert up to two chosen characters they can't ready at the start of their next turn. So this is going to be a really strong tempo play your opponent has two creatures out maybe in two turns or one turn they can quest with those characters to get the win this is just gonna stop them from being able to quest to get the win or uh, maybe they have a character like stitch new dog that they want to protect now you can challenge that to banish it it quests for a lot has a decent sized body when you play this on turn six with its shift ability it's gonna feel like a huge swing in board presence and tempo i think it's really strong you won't play it unless you have another elsa to play with i think but yeah it is it is a very strong card yeah, I agree with you. I gave it an A as well. Like, yes, it's expensive and uninkable, but you can shift it for cheaper and it quests for three. I think it's also going to be really good in the late game to basically disrupt your opponent. And aside from the reasons that you had given as far as you don't want them to quest or maybe you want them to be exerted so you can challenge them. Unless I'm wrong, I'm also I also kind of thought about if you don't want them to quest but then you also don't want them to be able to challenge you but you're not going to probably challenge them on your turn it 
kind of just renders them useless and then you get to do whatever you want. Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those cards that they just slam down and then maybe the race to 20 was in their favor, but now it's 100% in your favor and there's not a lot they can do about it. Yeah, so I think she's really good in that yeah. in that regard. Okay, so let's move mm-hmm. on to Flotsam, Ursula's spy. He is a uninkable five. He has a strength and willpower of three, four. He quests for two. He has Rush, which means that you can automatically challenge with him the same turn that you play him, so he does not have that summoning sickness. And he also has the ability Dexterous Lunge, so your characters named Jetsum gain Rush. And so you're going to see us kind of talk about that interaction or synergy between the two when we do get to Jetsum, but I think the combo between the two is really fun to play with. Yeah, it's fun to play with, and I could be convinced that Flotsam is good even if you don't have Jetsam in your deck. Rush is a really strong ability, especially on a 3-4, a quest for 2. If you have Jetsam in your deck and it's a rush with an evasive creature, it's, it's going to be really powerful. I'm just not sure how many decks can be built around that, so I gave it a B. But if that becomes an integral part of deck building, I can see it being a, maybe an A, but that, that, it probably won't get there. It's definitely a fun combination though. Yeah, I give it a B too for pretty much all the reasons that, that you did. So moving on to Jafar, Keeper of Secrets. This is a inkable four drop. It is a 05 and the character gets plus one strength for each card in your hand as their ability that is called Hidden Wonders. And he also quests for two. I personally gave him, I, I kind of gave him a, a D. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Right now, I, far, no. I feel like right now we don't really have a lot of cards that help you draw a lot for this card to be good. Um, maybe as later sets come out, this could be better, but right now I don't think it is. Yeah, I gave this card a B. I'm kind of on the opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum as you. I think this card's pretty good. I think that if it is a 3-5, you just have three cards in your hand. It's pretty serviceable. It quests for two. It only costs four mana. And this has quite a bit more upside than that. You're in the one color that can draw a decent amount of cards for cheap. So I've seen this thing be like a 6-5. So just being able to trade up in those cases is really good. And five toughness is is quite a bit for a four-cost creature. I think it's pretty good. I can see... The scenarios where you just kind of run out of cards and then this is like a 1-5 or a 2-5 and it's not very good. But in general, I think it's going to be bigger than that. All right. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're definitely seeing something with it that I don't see. So I think time will only tell as as we continue to see more people play and use him. I, I think it's just, I think at least for me, it was probably too early to tell, but I know that you've been playing more in Pixelborn, so you're seeing it more in play. So I'll, I'll give you that, I'll give you that. Okay, so the next Jafar is Jafar Wicked Sorcerer, a inkable four drop, two five, quests for one, 
and is a challenger. So while challenging, this character gets plus three strength. So when you challenge with him, he turns into a five, five. But if he is not the one challenging, then he'll stay as a two, five. So mm. I personally gave him a B. So I think he could just be really annoying when you challenge with him. And I, I think that's why I, I just think he would be a really good B. Yeah, he's a really good challenger, 5-5 five, five stats when challenging. Even when he's not challenging, if you're just questing with him or they're challenging him after you challenged, his stats are still okay. He has a decent willpower, so he's going to survive a lot of things around the four inkable cost. Mm-hmm. So I gave him a B, too. I think he's just a pretty solid card. I'm not sure... I think the other Jafar might actually be a little bit better because I think it's more consistent when you're questing, but this one is definitely more consistent when you're challenging. So maybe just depending on your deck build, that might just depend determine which one you want more. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So the next card we have is Jetsam Ursula's Spy. It's an inkable four cost, three, three stats, a quest for one, and it has evasive so only creatures with evasive can challenge this character and it gives your other flotsams evasive with its ability sinister slither i gave this one a c it is really good in combination with flotsam but i think by itself at the four cost spot in your curve you're just going to find better characters throughout most of the colors so that's that's just why he's not super impressive to me yeah i was a little bit higher than you i gave him a b i think there is nothing alarmingly bad about this card that would make me want to give him a c plus he has evasive which i know if you have flotsam then he could get evasive from jetsam so you could argue that as well but evasive is my favorite ability so i don't know that's why i kind of just favored with him and gave him a b instead yeah evasive is really strong so this just being one of the few evasive characters in this color might might make it a b i could see it Okay, so now let's talk about the Magic Broom Bucket Brigade. It is a inkable two drop, two, two, quests for one, and has the ability sweep. When you play this character, you may shuffle a card from any discard into its player's deck. I gave it a B. I think it is a good way to retrieve the cards that you've lost, and especially when you use it with mickey wayward sorcerer which we're gonna talk about in a couple cards here you can just keep bringing these cards back because of his ability and then use theirs and so i think that you kind of create this loop that is really beneficial to you so that's why i gave him a a b yeah i gave it a c because outside of playing it with mickey i don't think you're going to see it a whole lot it is reasonable in the amethyst ruby mirror matches where you know sometimes you do kind of tend to deck out a little bit and you can just rebuy those so if you have those in your deck and your opponent doesn't you're more likely to to win that way but really you just really need mickey in your deck in order for this card to be really efficient and good otherwise it's just overcosted for a 2-2 not a lot of stats and its ability might not even be super relevant a lot but in the long games it definitely is playable uh so i have it as a c I feel like, though, cards that we've given a C and we have the reason that they could be good 
potentially good in the future. Like, I understand that, but I, I, I know that you said that unless you use him with Mickey, it's not like Mickey doesn't exist right now. Like, Mickey is readily available. I could see people still... People aren't going to use the broom without him, but I think... I don't know. I don't agree with that's the reason why you would give him a C. Um, <laughs> so, I, I just don't know how good Mickey and the brooms are even together. That's, like, my hesitation. It could be really good. It might not be that good. I'm just not sure, so I just gave it a little bit lower of a grade. It could end up being something that's really good, and I'm mm-hmm. wrong, and that's okay. But I just, I'm just not sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe it, going back to the too early to tell. Okay, so next one, Maleficent biting her time. An uninkable one drop, one one, quests for two, no special abilities. What you got? Uh, this is functionally the exact same card as Lilo making a wish, which we gave a B, so I gave this one a B as well. It's going to be really good in the Amber Amethyst deck that use both of these two cards together. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, it doesn't really fit Amethyst's strategy or game plan that much, but I think it could be still a good card just being one of the two cards that does what it does. Yeah, I gave her a B as well. She she might be weak, but she's cheap for questing for two, so nice way to just hurry up and get some on the board, especially because you could potentially get her on your first turn and your opponent might not have a one drop. Mm-hmm. And so their first character that they play might have to be a two. And so you could get away with questing one or two turns and mm-hmm. there not being any threats against her. So yeah, same thing as Lilo, B. Yeah, the next one we have, I think is a pretty good one, Maleficent Sorceress. It is a three cost inkable character with two two as its stats, it quests for one, and it has the ability to cast my spells when you play this character, draw a card. Simple ability, very strong. I gave this one an A. Its stats aren't great for its mana cost. They're actually pretty bad. But It does instantly replace itself. It lets you sing friends on the other side for free. And it's just an integral part of pretty much all of the Amethyst decks that I've been seeing. It's it's just really solid. All right. Yeah, I I might have been a little conservative and I gave her a B. I thought that, you know, she's just really decent. Maybe it's because I haven't been playing Pixelborn as much as you to see her in play. Mm-hmm. I haven't really seen the benefit. That would make her an A. So that's why I gave her a B. Yeah, we were talking about Dr. Facilier earlier. And this is a card that goes really well with Dr. Facilier because you can just challenge with her, get it back, quest with her, they challenge her, they banish her, you get her back. Then you can keep drawing cards. Um, She just draws a card by itself. There's just nothing that can really go wrong when you play her Mm -hmm. is is how I feel about it. So I gave her an A. But then again, it's only a 2-2 for 3. doesn't impact the board a lot, so maybe a B is accurate as well. The next card we are going to talk about is Marshmallow. Persistent Guardian. Dana, tell me about Marshmallow. Yeah, so Marshmallow is a uninkable six, a five-five, quests for one, but it does have the ability durable. When this character is banished in a challenge, you may return this card to your hand. I personally would give this an A or maybe a B just because it's um, expensive for being a 5-5, but I think it's really, I think the ability kind of overshadows the cons of 
of that card being expensive and uninkable and maybe only a 5-5 for that kind of price. I think it returning to your hand rather than going to your discard creates this loop of always putting a big body out. And so it could get really annoying for your opponent real mm. fast. Yeah, it's a card that's definitely hard to deal with. I gave it a B because this is the color that doesn't need card advantage or that kind of recursion as much. You have a lot of it with Dr. Facilier, friends on the other side, Maleficent, to gain the card advantage. But that being said, this is still a 5-5 that kind of just does it by itself when you have it in play. So I could see maybe playing one or two of these in a bigger controlling Amethyst deck just because the inevitability is, is there for it, I think. I wish it quested for one more, then I think it was really strong, but I still think it's a decent card as is. So the next card we're going to talk about is Mickey Mouse Wayward Sorcerer. So it is a four cost inkable, it's a three four quest for two. It has the ability Animate Broom, uh, your brooms cost one less to play, and it has the ability Ceaseless Workers. Whenever one of your broom characters is banished and challenged, you may return that card to your hand. What do you think of that one, Dana? I gave him a B. I think, I know I mentioned it earlier with Magic Broom, I think that synergy together is pretty solid because he makes your brooms cheaper. So instead of being two drops to play the brooms, they become one drops. And he quests for two. And then also if you lose those brooms and he's out, the brooms come to your hand instead of your discard. I think it's just that loop I really like and is why I think he would be a B, similar to the brooms. Yeah, I'm not 100% how good this is against the aggressive decks. I could see it being really good. The brooms, just because you can keep trading into their characters that are questing a lot... Maybe it's good against the control decks too because you have kind of that inevitability of recycling your cards into your deck and your brooms can quest and then come back to your hand if they're banished. That being said, I gave it a B just because there's only four brooms in your deck and you might not always see Mickey when you have those brooms or you might have to make those brooms your ink so that kind of lowers the, the power on it. Maybe there are other brooms that will come out in future sets that make this good, or even better. I could definitely see it having a lot of upside, but I'm just I'm just not into that A range yet. So I, I have a B as well. Okay, fair enough. Next one is Olaf Friendly Snowman, Inkable One Drop, a 1-3 quests for one. What you got? This is a B. Pretty, pretty easy. You can go a lot of decks because... It's cheap, it's inkable, and it has fine stats. Yeah, and plus with it being a one drop, you can definitely, obviously if you get it, play it on your first turn. Um, and if you're, like I said for Archimedes, like if your opponent doesn't have a one drop but they have a two, you could get questing for a turn or two without them having a threat against him. But because he also has a, a willpower of three, most one drops, they have a strength of one or two. And so even if they were to challenge Olaf, he's not going to be banished the first time he's challenged by those little guys. So I, I think he can he can kind of persist and give you just enough time to to get a bigger one in there in, on turn like three or four. Yeah, in the matchups where he is good, he will trade with your opponent's cheap characters 
in the matchups where he won't be good, he's ink. So it's just a fine card to include. Yeah. The next card we have is an interesting one. It is Pascal Rapunzel's Companion. It is an inkable one drop. It is a 1-1. One, one, a quest for one. Has the ability Camouflage. While you control another character, this character has Evasive. So a lot of times it's going to be a 1-1 one, one, Evasive for one. That quest for one, Dana, what do you what do you give that? I give him a B. I think even though he's tiny, he gets evasive, and he might also fly under the radar for a few turns if you have bigger threats on the board and can kind of chip away to gain lore with before similar to what we talked about in the last episode with Hey Hey, before your opponents maybe start to target him. Yeah, your opponents definitely don't want to use expensive removal spells on him. He is probably good for five or six lore against a lot of decks. He's just going to be there questing for one every turn until your opponent finds a way to deal with it, which is pretty annoying, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's, you can get a lot of mileage out of this one drop, so I have it as a B as well. Yeah, for sure. So Rafiki Mysterious Sage is next. It is a uninkable three drop. He is a three three quests for one, but he has rush, so he can challenge the turn that he is played. I personally gave him a B. I think even though he's uninkable, he has pretty he's pretty solid for board control since he can attack right away. So he would be really good at just keeping getting rid of those smaller glimmers that your opponents have and kind of controlling that way mm-hmm. yeah i gave him a an a i think he's one of the better three drops mainly because he is consistently a two for one like he'll consistently trade for two of your opponent's cards because he comes into play he'll banish one and then he'll banish one most likely when they challenge him back or when it comes back to your turn and if he doesn't get to banish a second character pretty quickly it's because they just didn't quest with him which if you're the control deck you're you're fine with as well so i think he's a really solid card if he was inkable he'd probably be an s tier card for me but oh he's just outside of that because he doesn't have that versatility but i think he's still a really strong card okay the next one we have is Sven, Official Ice Deliverer. He is an inkable six-cost character. He has a 5-7 that quests for one. Dana, what did you give Sven? So I was on the fence with him between a B and a C. I think he's expensive, but he is a pretty big body. He's a big um, boy. He's a big boy, but because he only quests for one and he doesn't have any special abilities that make me go, wow, that's a good card. Mm-hmm. I was kind of leaning more towards a C. I think if they were to have given him bodyguard, he would have for sure been like a B, if not A, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah. because there's not really anything special about him, I dialed it back for what I think he's worth. Yeah, I gave him a, a D. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I... I just don't see it. Uh, against the controlling decks, he'll often just get dragon fired, which is why you might want Marshmallow instead of him, even if Marshmallow is uninkable. He has good stats, but I just think you can find better threats than than him for his cost throughout the different colors. So I, I just don't think you're going to end up playing him very often. So I, I give him a D. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. That's why we're doing this is because we obviously have different opinions than each other. So it's nice to see how one person might view a card's benefits differently than the other. So definitely good for sure. 
All right, so next we have the Queen Wicked in Vain. Mm -hmm. She is a inkable five drop, a four five quest for one, but she has the ability I summon thee. So you exert her and get to draw a card. What do you think? I gave the Queen an A. I think she's really good. She's inkable, so in the aggressive matchups, you can just ink her and you don't have to worry about it too much, paying five mana for a pretty slow card. But in the control matchups, it's kind of like a mirror breaker because you're just able to refill your hand turn after turn by using her in a tap ability. The one issue that she might have, and this is for every card that cost five that I've mentioned, is Maui and Ruby. We'll get to that one. But it is really good at continuously gaining card advantage against the mirror. And it has decent stats as well. So I gave it an A. I think you'll play it in most decks. Dana, what do you think of it? I might have underestimated her a little bit. I did give her a B. I thought she was really solid. And I think her ability makes her good. And her willpower is five. So it causes your opponents to use either a bigger character to get rid of her that maybe they didn't want to lose or they have to pair up a couple of smaller ones to re so it reduces their board. In all reality, I probably should have given her an A, but I think I was being a little conservative and I gave her a B. Yeah, I can, I can see you not wanting ha to have like four of these in your deck just because it's hard to have too many of these five cost effects that don't really affect the board too much. I mean, it is a four or five that draws you a card, but sometimes there are some matchups where that's just a little too slow. It only quests for one. If it quests for two, it'd probably be a lot better. So the next one we have is the Wardrobe Bell's Confidant. I have as just a B. It's a three, four for three, inkable, quest for one, solid card. It is never gonna be amazing, never gonna disappoint you, but yeah, it's, it's just a quintessential B to me. Yeah, I agree. I have a B as well, just a solid body to have. Nothing really notable other than the things that you already addressed. So I think we're in, in agreement there. Just reliable. Yeah, good size, B. Yeah. Okay, so next we have Tinkerbell, Peter Pan's ally, an uninkable five. She's a 3-3 three, three quest for two. She has evasive and an additional ability that is loyal and devoted. Your character is named Peter Pan Gain Challenger. So plus one while challenging. Um, what'd you got for her? I gave her a C. She is a two-questing character that has evasive, so she's hard to deal with, and she quests for a decent amount. Uh, her stats are fine, but she's not inkable, which is a big downside for five-cost characters. Yeah. And I just don't know how relevant her loyal and devoted ability is going to be. Having her and Peter Pan out at the same time is not going to happen very often. And unlike... Jetsum and Flotsum, where you get like a really strong ability when they're both in play. Uh, the Challenger plus one ability just isn't enough, I don't think, to to make one of the Peter Pans that much better. So yeah, I just gave her a uh, AC. Yeah, I just don't think the upside's there. Yeah, I was on the fence about this one. BC for me, I think she is expensive and unequable, which made me lean towards C, especially with her being a 3-3. I feel like for her cost, she could have been like a 3-4 or 4-4, but because she has evasive and inks for two, that's why I was leaning more towards a B. 
So, and, and going off of what you said too, we, there aren't very many Peter Pans right now as it is. So maybe in the future, as more become available in future sets, she could be better. But I think for right now, she'll kind of teeter for me between that B and C range. Yeah, I just don't think Challenger plus one for your random Peter Pans in play is good enough. It just isn't that much stronger of an ability. The next card we have is an interesting one is Ursula Power Hungry. It is an uninkable 7-cost character with stats of 2-8, quest for 3, which is quite a bit. And when you play this character, each opponent loses one lore. You may draw a card for each one lore lost this way. This is, I think, really the first card that implies that this can be more than just a two-player game. Mm -hmm. It's definitely really powerful in three- or four-player games or... If you have eight players, it's definitely incredibly good there. I think for all intents and purposes, we're just basing these cards off of 1v1 play. Is that oh, fair I to wasn't. Say? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you go ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's how I'm going to rate these characters. I think this is a B. It's pretty strong. It's not inkable, so there is a downside to putting a lot of these in your deck. But when you do draw one, it's going to feel really powerful. Taking their lore away is a minor benefit, but drawing the card is a big benefit. It has a really strong body. It can survive eight damage or seven damage as eight willpower, mm -hmm. and it quests for three every turn. It's going to be hard to banish. I'm a believer in playing one of these, one or two of these in your uh, Amethyst decks. Yeah, I, I gave her an A. I, and that's based on the fact that I have been thinking about these in situations where it could be 1v1 versus multiplayer, but I think she is just going to be really strong and really annoying in a multiplayer setting. And her ability to quest for three is good. She might not be powerful on the strength side, but as far as willpower goes, your opponents are really going to have to decide if they want you to keep questing for three or if they're willing to trade a couple of their characters to get rid of her or hope that they draw something like Dragonfire. So you're really going to have to force them. It's almost like a put it down and say deal with it. Figure out how to deal with it for your opponent. But yeah, I, I think based on her ability, it's going to be really annoying in a multiplayer setting. So yeah, I give her a name. Definitely very good in multiplayer setting. The next card we have is Yzma Alchemist. It is an inkable two-cost character. It's a 2-2. Two -two. It quests for one. It has the ability You're Excused. Whenever this character quests, look at the top card of your deck. Put it either on the top or bottom of your deck. So a nice little bit of card selection there. Dana, what'd you give Yzma? I gave Yzma a B. I think she's solid. She has a nice ability. Even if you don't really benefit from her ability, like let's just say that that top card that you draw isn't something that you would want to keep on the top. I think it, at the end of the day, she's, she's still, she's like a nice little two drop. Yeah, I gave her a C. That ability isn't bad. If you put a card on the bottom, then you're really benefiting from it because that's a card you didn't want to draw. Mm -hmm. So you can more likely find something that you do want to draw. Um, if you put it on top, at least you have the information of what you're going to draw next turn, so that can help you make decisions. But what's going to happen most of the time is you're going to quest with this and then they're going to challenge it with uh, one drop and banish it or they'll challenge it with a Simba and banish it and then it just didn't really do that much. 
So yeah, I gave it a C. I just don't I just don't think that it's that good. Okay, so next we have Zeus, God of Lightning. It is a four drop on Inkable. He is a zero four and quests for two. However, he has the challenger ability that gives him plus four. So if you do challenge with him, he's actually a four four. And then he also has Rush, and so he can come in the turn that you play him and immediately challenge as a 4-4, or he can just quest for two. So I personally gave him a B. I think he's solid like Rafiki, but a little bit bigger and quests for two. He does cost one more than Rafiki and can't be inked, but I feel like it all weigh, the pros and cons all weigh out to where it makes him just a solid B. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower on Zeus. I think he's a C. The biggest issue that I have with Zeus, unlike Rafiki, is that he doesn't keep the power consistently, right? It's only when he's challenging. So he comes in, he's going to banish one of your opponent's characters, and then they're free to just challenge him back without taking any damage. So Rafiki, who is usually a two-for-one, he's really good because of that. Zeus is not often going to be a two for one if you quest with it they can challenge it for free so i just don't like it that much because of that but uh, i could be i could be a little bit low on it it could be better than what i'm giving it credit for but i still think it's a a c okay all right so now um we are done with all of the characters let's get into some of the actions and items first up we have befuddle It is a inkable one and it returns a character or item with a cost of two or less to the player's hand. What you got for me? I think this is a B. It's not gonna be good in all of your decks and it's not gonna be good against some of your opponent's decks, but it's inkable so it has that floor and there are definitely situations whether it's returning your magic brooms to your hand so you can keep putting cards back in your deck that's kind of a niche scenario but i've seen it come up or it's just returning one of your opponents two drops to their hand to slow them down i think that this has some decent applications it's not an amazing card but it's something that Amethyst needs because it doesn't have a lot of removal otherwise. Okay. I am a little bit more harsh than you. However, I didn't consider something that you just mentioned, which is using it to also target your own cards. So I think given that, it probably is a little bit stronger than what I graded it as. I gave it a C. I felt like it could be useful for tempo disruption in certain situations, but because it only is restrictive to something that's two or less, I figured it might not be applicable in a lot of situations you would wish it would be in, but... That's definitely true. Yeah, but considering, I guess, what you said as far as returning characters to your hand, I think that might also change where I'm at a little bit, but at least for when I looked at it, my initial reaction, that's kind of how I viewed it. Yeah, no, I I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. It could be a C. It just seemed like an effect that this color didn't really have access to, so I bumped it up a little bit higher. It would be worse than probably Steel. Um, The next card we have is Freeze. It is a two-cost uninkable, and it just says Exert Chosen Opposing Character. What'd you give this one, Dana? 
I gave it a range of B to C. I don't know if I would want to have all four of it in my deck. I do like the fact that you basically force your opponent to make their Glimmer vulnerable to challenge when they otherwise might not have exerted the character. So it is, is nice if you have the intention of getting rid of that character that you're targeting. I don't know if it's necessarily applicable in a lot of situations enough to make it a B, but that's why I kind of made it a C. However, I, I think it's it's decent depending on how you want to utilize it. Yeah, I gave this one a D. This has a wide range of outcomes for it just because it is not inkable. So there are going to be times where even if you could use it on your opposing character, maybe you don't have good challenges for that character. So I don't know, but there are also times when your opponent has a character that they are just trying to protect. And then this lets you banish that character in a challenge. It has a wide range of outcomes. I'm just not sold on it. I This is one I'd really have to see in play for me to be a believer in, mm-hmm. but I could definitely see it end up being a, a C. Definitely could be powerful in the correct decks, but because it's unequable, there's just only so many of these you could even have in your deck to begin with. Yeah, okay. So let's get into our first song of Amethyst. We have Friends on the Other Side, which we have been mentioning this entire time leading up to this point. It is a inkable three and it makes you draw two cards. So I I actually want to hear yours first because I feel like we're we're both in agreement of that it's a good card, but I want to know how, how good we both think it is. Yeah, I gave this one an S. I gave this one an S. I think you're going to play it as a four of until something even better than this comes out and comparing it to other effects and other card games cards like divination and magic those cards are always okay but the one thing that this has going for it that those cards and other card games don't is that you can play it for no mana a curve of rafiki or maleficent into friends on the other side is just really strong. You gain card advantage without losing the tempo of actually being able to cast a character or an item, whatever you're gonna do that turn. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you're gonna cut this from any of your Amethyst decks for the foreseeable future. Yeah, no, I, I'm i actually glad. I, I agree with you. I think it is an S. I think for it being fairly cheap and inkable, although I wouldn't see you ever ink it, um, you, you're drawing two cards. So some, some of the other cards that we see only have you draw one, but because you're getting even more from it for not that much of a cost, it's super beneficial. And especially if you're using it in a deck with Dr. Facilier, I think using it with that ability, how if you play a song, which more than likely you're going to play, you're gonna have th- this song at least in your deck, if not others. So that allows you to also look at the cards in your deck and draw. And I don't know, I think that synergy is really good with, mm-hmm. with everything going on. So I agree, it's a really good card. Yeah, it's it's very strong. All right, so the next card we have is Reflection. It is also a song. It is a one-cost song that is inkable. You look at the top three cards of your deck, put them back on top of your deck in any order. Dana, 
What do you think of Reflection? I think it's like a C or a D. Oh, yeah. This card's so bad. It's a D. I think... It's a D. I don't really see this as being an obvious must-have. I definitely wouldn't want all four of it, if any at all. And I don't see... I don't see myself wanting to do this all the time. So even if I... It's almost not even worth it to try to have one or two splashed in. So yeah. it's like... I, I don't know. The, the thing about this card is that it doesn't even like you put the cards on the bottom of your deck so if you don't like any of the cards that you're seeing then you're just rearranging them in an order maybe that's beneficial to you but there's just not a lot to be gained i mean you could plan out your next couple turns but like if you don't like those cards then you're just gonna be disappointed that you're you, stuck with them anyway yeah, you're stuck with them anyway <laughs> like you're gonna draw those cards in some combination over the next couple turns anyway kind of lets you plan out your turns but it's just a very bad card you don't get any cards back and i think this is just gonna be inked on turn one every every game you have it yeah um, okay, so nearing the end here, we got three more cards. We have Magic Mirror, the item. It's an uninkable two drop, and you have to exert it, pay four ink to draw a card. What you got? This this is a B to me. In the control mirrors, this is a card that you want every single game because uh, you're just trying to figure out a way to gain card advantage over your opponent, and this is a really consistent way to do that. That most likely they can't interact with. I mean, you could have the queen in play, which is just tap to draw a card, but so many times that's going to get dragon fired or let it go, and you're just not really getting ahead on that. This is a card that just sticks in play throughout the course of the game. Uh, you can play it early, and then whenever you have free ink, you just pay four and draw a card. It's a lot better than what I initially thought it was going to be, but it just uh, gets you ahead in the the matchups where you want it. Against aggressive decks, it's not very good, which is why you might only play two of them, mm -hmm. but I think it's a B. I put this in the range between a B and a C. You do have to pay that four ink to play it. However, because it's it's an item card and there currently aren't very many cards right now that get rid of items. It would be really annoying for your opponent to try to get off the board. So you can keep doing it multiple turns as long as you have enough ink to where you want to do it. Yeah, there's only like one color steel that gets rid of items and those cards really aren't that great. So. Yeah. So I think it's nice. It's leaning more towards a B for me because you can keep doing it multiple times, unlike just a song like Friends on the Other Side where it's just exhaustible after one. But I think I was leaning more towards a C because I guess I, I don't it's know. Slow. It's slow. I wish it was maybe you pay three. I would think it would be a better B. But I for right now, since, I don't know, you pay four, I think I'm just thinking of it as that closer to CB range. Yeah, it's it's really not good against the maybe the green decks that are trying to get to as much lore as possible really quick just because you can't really spend your turn for drawing a card. But in the matchups, it's good. It's going to be really good. Yeah. All right, so now we have Ursula's Cauldron. It is a uninkable two-drop, and you exert it to look at the top two cards of your deck, put one on top, of your deck and the other one on the bottom. I personally gave this a D. It has the same ability as Yzma, but it can't quest or challenge. And so it's almost in my head like I would rather have Yzma to be able to have other options 
and use her ability instead of just using this instead. Yeah, so I gave this a C. Uh, it's a little bit different because it's repeatable. You can do it every turn, which the thing about Yzma is that it's probably just going to get banished the turn you use it for that but then again it's not inkable it doesn't offer any card advantage it's just some mild card selection so it doesn't have a, a giant upside it could be good in slower matches but then again you'd probably just rather have magic mirror because you're just drawing more cards so i gave it a c it's not it's not great it might even be worse than that so that's where I am with uh, Ursula's Cauldron. And on to the last card, we have White Rabbit's Pocket Watch. It is an inkable three-cost item, and you can pay one and tap it. Chosen character gains rush this turn. Dana, what'd you have for it? I give it a C. I think it could be really good in niche situations, but I might not have it in my deck all the time, and I probably don't want four of it. So that's where I kind of landed on that one. Yeah, I also gave it a C. I can see it being a one of in a lot of decks just because there are going to be a lot of games where you just want to draw one, and when you, when you have it and you play it, and you can give a character rush turn after turn that really lets you control the board but then again it there are some again some matchups that just won't do anything so you just have to ink it and you really don't want too many cards in your deck that you just know you're going to ink every game so i gave it a c it'll be strong sometimes but it'll never be one of the cards that you're really wanting in a given matchup yeah for sure all right, and then that wraps up our set review of Amethyst. We will be going over Emerald next time. And until then, if you missed our previous episode of Amber, go back and check that one out. If not, we will see you next time, unless you catch us on any of the other social medias that we have where we will probably be streaming or playing like a tabletop game for your entertainment. And so if you go ahead and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, we're the Inkwell Gamers, and you can catch content that we're posting in between these episodes. So we hope that between all of that you find something that you enjoy and yeah, absolutely if not we will catch you next time when we go over emerald yeah absolutely this was a lot of fun and i can't wait for emerald dana for sure all right catch you guys next time